Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hello Storyteller podcast. Melissa here with Meg. Hey, Meg. Hey, hey, hey. And we're excited today because we are having an interview. We are interviewing uh, Gina Yeo. So hi, Gina. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. Well, so funnily enough, we've had Gina on the podcast before, back in 2018. And so long ago. (laughs) I know. I know. I went back because I was listening to the the previous episode and I I looked at the date and I was like, gosh, that was four years ago. Not quite. Well, not quite four years. It'd be four years. I think it was the fall of 2018. So not quite four years, but we're really excited to have you back on the podcast today. And I'm excited. I'm excited for all of our listeners to, and I think our new listeners to sort of get a chance to sort of hear from you because I just, I, I'm always, I can always tell as soon as a picture from you pops up in my feet, I'm like, Oh, that's Gina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's gotta be her. And I just think that's really awesome. Plus you're, I know that you sort of, you know, your, your love, your focus is, is on landscape photography, which I just have like an intrinsic sort of love for. I'm not very good at it, but I I just sort of love it. And so I'm excited to have you here with us today and for us to sort of just chat about how you sort of got into landscape photography. Um, I know you have some wonderful sort of educational opportunities available for people. So we're going to chat about that. So we're going to sort of dive right in and I would love for you to just sort of talk us through a little bit about your journey into landscape photography and how you sort of landed, landed there. Absolutely. So I guess my story starts when honestly I was a little girl and I didn't even know that I was going to be a photographer one day. I grew up in the, in Calgary, Alberta. And as a little girl, we would uh, camp in the Canadian Rocky mountains And my dad's passion was photography. So, you know, he'd always be taking pictures of myself and my sisters. And his main passion was uh, chasing the Canadian Pacific Railway through the mountains. And so, you know, me and my sisters, we'd have our tiny little point and shoot film cameras and we'd be taking images of flowers. And my dad would be, you know, running, (laughs) running after the trains (laughs) And, you know, as I kind of grew up, I, you know, would take pictures of, you know, vacations and, you know, my mom's from Barbados and, you know, pictures of, you know, friends and graduation and in university, if I'd go, you know, hiking, that type of thing. And then I put my camera down and then, um, I got married and I had a daughter and in that moment, my photography journey completely changed. I was always Mm -hmm. point and shoot, automatic mode. And then I started to kind of investigate um, photography a little bit further. And I heard about something about manual mode. So I, you know, threw my camera on manual (laughs) mode. mystical mode. That's a dirty (laughs) word. Right? And then I was like, these images are awful. They're horrible. What's going on? (laughs) Like, why am I not creating these images? Like I see on the internet of these beautiful babies and, and gorgeous skin tones. And so I hired a local photographer actually. And she, um, of course took incredible images of my little daughter and I was so jealous. I'm like, no, you know what? I've, I've got to take pictures like that. And so I dove into learning all things photography and 
it sparked this energy and excitement inside me that is now like a full-fledged passion, which has actually Mm. developed into um, a business. So my journey initially was mostly around my children. You know, I had a son and then I had another daughter as well. And so I, you know, always had my camera in their face. You know, I was busy taking pictures of all those little tiny moments on those little chubby fingers and those little tutus and, you know, the frogs that they found. And then they grew and they grew. And now (laughs) they are not really all that interested in my camera, but I'm interested in my camera. And, you know, what, what happened is I, you know, started to take pictures of them. I was able to preserve their memories, but I also was fueling this passion and the spark inside of me for photography. And, you know, it makes me feel alive and, you know, it's my thing and it does something for me. And so now that they really don't want my camera anymore in their face, um, I have sort of naturally kind of turned towards um, my childhood love of the mountains. And then my current family, we spend a ton of times in the mountains as well. And so it was a very, very natural sort of uh, fusion for me to turn my camera towards landscapes. And so, you know, initially it was capturing my children in landscapes. So you know, they, fishing, they would fish or, you know, in the summertime, they would jump into the water or, you know, we'd climb mountains or we'd play in the river. And I progressively started to become more interested in turning my camera maybe away from them towards the landscape yeah. scenes that are world-class. I'm so lucky to live so close to. I know. I'm so jealous about your your landscape and the backdrop you have nearby. I'm like, I would like, I feel like I would never be home if that's where I lived. (laughs) Well, I'd be just out there all the time. I know. And honestly, the, the quote where, you know, the mountains are calling to you, you know, by, by John, I think it's John Muir. It's, I honestly, they call to me. I look at them, I'm going grocery shopping and they're like screaming at me. They're saying, come and visit me. So, um, you know, I, I definitely, um, I definitely have a big love for nature and for being out in the, uh, Rocky mountains. And, uh, that's basically, uh, that long story as to how my, my landscape (laughs) photography developed. Um, you know, it was just a natural turning my camera towards the mountains and the nature that, um, I love to be in. I love that. So there's a couple of things that I, I want to sort of go back on. I love that you talk about this journey of into like at the very, very beginning of, you know, switching your camera to manual and then being like, wow, these images suck. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yep. Well, yeah, I love that honesty because I think, you know, I think people sort of leave that out of their journey, right? Like I switched to manual and then I started taking all these amazing pictures. It's like, nope, that's not (laughs) how it works. Like there's a learning process that comes along, along with that. And the other piece too is, you know, it's interesting because so in our Hello Storyteller community right now, obviously at the beginning of the year, we have, we have two courses, a 365 project and 52 week project that a lot of people are in. And I've been seeing a ton of comments from people saying like, 
I don't have children or my kids don't want my camera in their face or, you know, and sort of feeling like, what do I do? Like how a lot in the transition phase, you know? Yeah. And I myself am in that transition phase as well. I think our kids, Gina, I think are, are, are close to the same ages. And so I have three boys and they're like, no, mom, just no with the camera. Don't even think about it. So I, I think this conversation is very timely um, because I know that there's a need in our community to sort of say like, listen, I still want to create. And I think as mothers, right, especially as photographers, typically our kids were our first sort of muses. Like that was what sort of pulled us into this, this genre of photography. And so it's sort of like this separation process of like, okay, they're what got me into it, but now they're not into it anymore. And I want to be respectful of where they are, but I also want to still create. And so how do I do, like, I feel like it's, you know, it's sort of like parenting, like you're moving into this new phase of like, how do I, how do I capture my life? How do I capture what inspires me without my children being the focal point of, of those images? And so I just, I love that that's something that you do sort of innately that you sort of saw that happening and were like, you know what, I, I'm more pulled to capture the landscape than to continuously sort of either, you know, try to capture my children or sort of maybe bribe or force as we do sometimes like to get them in the frame and still be true to this sort of calling inside of you of, of being a creative. Cause I, I know myself, like, I am struggling right now with picking up my camera at all outside of client work, just because I very much feel like I am in that limbo of like, my kids don't really want me to take pictures of them. They're not the most inspiring subject at the moment. And, but I still, right. Oh my God. Always (laughs) just like, they're just always squatting down or like bending over and like inspecting things in the ground. And I'm like, I can't keep taking pictures of your butts. Like I just can't do it. (laughs) So all that to say that this past fall, my husband and I went to Yosemite and obviously there was no children with us. And so I, I was actually like thinking of you when I was there because I was like, I should have reached out to Gina before I went on this trip Channel to be like, energy. how am Channel I going to do this? Energy. Yeah. Like, how do I, how do I do this in a way that like, I will be happy with what I, I come back with. And so I would just sort of like, to know maybe if you could give some sort of beginner's tips to landscape photography, like just a really sort of brief overview of like what to keep in mind when you're, because shooting landscape is so wildly different than shooting human subjects. And so I feel like, I know I feel like a fish out of water (laughs) because I'm like, I don't know. Do I like, I'm so used to shooting wide open and I know I can't do that when I'm shooting landscape photography. I don't think I was supposed to. So like, what would your sort of like top three sort of landscape tips for, for beginners be? Well, I think there's two sides to that. You know, it's first of all, the photographer that doesn't really have any experience at all with shooting Mm -hmm. on any sort of manual mode. So, you know, if, if you're a photographer, that's not yet comfortable in manual mode, I think my top tips would be try and use aperture priority mode and set, you know, a mid range aperture. So maybe like eight or nine and allow your camera to kind of do the rest of it. And 
in that circumstance, I would also suggest maybe trying to use a tripod because Mm. with that aperture that's closed down, the camera's automatically going to choose like a shutter speed that's going to be slower. And if you're handholding it, then your images aren't going to turn out. You're going to be really unhappy. So I would start there if you're a photographer that's not comfortable in manual mode. Now, if you're comfortable in manual mode, awesome, because that's what I 100% recommend for landscapes is you taking control over your camera because landscapes very often have a huge dynamic range. So what that means Mm -hmm. is that you have these really deep shadows, often in between trees and in rocks, and then you have a really bright sky, even at sunrise and sunset. And so your camera is going to struggle with being able to capture one exposure with detail in your shadows and your highlights. And that's super normal. So I always recommend manual mode so that you can try and get a really good looking light meter. So you're only going to understand the whole light meter read if you shoot in manual mode. Now, I recommend definitely those mid-range apertures. And one of the reasons for that is it's going to create a really large depth of field. So you're going to get that focus from the front of your frame through the back of your frame. And Mm -hmm. also a lot of people don't know this, but those mid-range apertures are most often sharpest and landscape photographers tend to really like sharp images. So that's (laughs) another reason why to kind of use those mid-range apertures. Now, when it comes to ISO, keep it really nice and low. I recommend an ISO 100, but that means that your shutter speed is going to be slower, which is usually okay in landscape photography, but you're going to have to maybe haul around a little tripod, (laughs) um, or, or get comfortable with, um, you know, using a tripod. Now, if you're not wanting to haul around a tripod, I totally get that because I climb mountains all the time and I don't want to bring a tripod with me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in those circumstances, then you can adjust that ISO and bump that up a little bit and uh, keep your shutter speed a little bit faster. There's so, so many great cameras out there right now and you can, you know, tend to shoot a little bit slower of a shutter speed than you would say with your children. So, you know, I always recommend right. one and two fiftieth of a, of a, um, of, um, a shutter speed when you're shooting, you know, a child that's really slow and, or a child that's in the frame, um, that's probably good enough, but for landscapes, you can even go slower than that as long as you're kind of steady. And yeah, so, I mean, that would be my tip for settings. And of course you've heard me mention tripod. That's something that's mm-hmm. super helpful. And, uh, then, you know, if you're loving landscapes and you kind of want to move into a little bit more artistic stuff, well, then you can start to explore things like filters, but I'm a big believer in using the gear that you have. And so I believe that you can get started in landscape photography if you just have a camera, even if you don't have a tripod and, you know, start exploring and uh, start playing around with compositions. And for me, photography is 
a lifelong journey of learning. You know, I, I'm constantly learning something new. I'm constantly seeking out some new technique, whether it's post-processing, whether it's in the field. And that's actually one of the things that I absolutely love about photography. And I think you can just jump in and get your feet wet and dirty and, uh, you know, play in the, play in that river and, uh, have fun with it and then start learning what you like and, and what works and, and what doesn't. And would you recommend in terms of like lenses itself, you know, yeah. assuming wider is, is better, but I, I'm wondering if there's a too wide at a certain point. I know myself when I, so the widest lens that I currently own is a 20 millimeter. And I'm trying to think if I brought that to Yosemite with me or not, I was trying to pack really light. I feel like I did. I brought my, I think I brought my 20 and I think I brought my, my 35 and And I definitely was pulled more to my 20, I feel like, when I was there because it's just so expansive. And I just was like, I want to get like this whole sort of like viewpoint of things. So what would your sort of like recommendation be in terms of lens itself? Yeah, so my go-to wide angle landscape lens is um, I have a 14 to 24 and Mm. I shoot 14 millimeter all the time. However, that's because I am super, super close to my subjects. Now in other locations, you know, I may use my 24 to 70 because maybe my subject is a little bit farther off, but I want to kind of bring them in closer. And then of course I use my 70 to 200 quite often as well, because maybe I want to get a little bit more of an intimate perspective and I want to use my telephoto maybe to catch the light, you know, bouncing off the tips of a mountain. So I do carry a full range from 14 all the way through 200 in my camera bag. And I'm so shocked to hear that you shoot with a 70 to 200. I'm like, my mind is blown yeah. right now, but I can sort of also see it. Cause Meg, do you remember what I said to you? And I came back from Yosemite. Yes. I was already <laughs> going to mention that <laughs> she, <laughs> she regretted not bringing her 85 with her. Yeah. See, told ya. <laughs> I bring my 85 everywhere because even though I hardly have the space to use it, the one time I do have the space and I don't have it, I'm going to kick myself in the butt. Yeah. Yeah, it was just I found myself in like certain situations where because we were sort of like you just said, like so far removed from what I was trying to shoot that I thought to myself, the 85 would be much better in this than, you know, than my 35. But I so I think that's really interesting. And I think that's helpful for people that are listening to this that maybe want to dip a toe into landscape photography and think, well, do I have the right gear? And I think you've just sort of showcased that whatever gear you have, you can utilize. And obviously as, as you get more into it and you have a, you know, you want to get different sort of emotions and feelings out of it, you can change up your focal length, but that, you know, whatever gear you happen to have with you is good enough for you to be able to get started and sort of capturing the world around you. And I'm, I'm, I am scrolling through your, your Instagram feed right now. Cause I'm like, Oh, now I'm going to look and see if I can figure out which one she took. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. From a, with a, with a, a longer focal length. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, something I wanted to mention to you is that, you know, a lot of people are worried they'll, they'll contact me and they'll say, you know, I, I only have a kit lens. Can I take landscapes with a kit lens? 
Absolutely you can. And that's because, you know, many kit lens are those variable 3.5 or 3 point, yeah, 3.5 usually to 5.6. And you can, because guess what? Landscapes are usually those, you know, F8, F9, you know, an aperture of 11, um, that sort of thing. And so definitely just because you don't have these, you know, fancier art, you know, lenses or high-end, you know, Nikon or Canon or, or, or whatnot, use your kit lens and start indulging in it and and practicing. You know, if you become more interested in night photography, then you're definitely going to want a faster lens because you're going to have to. So, so night photography is a whole different, a whole different ball game in landscapes. Yeah. You know, we're kind of talking about daytime landscapes here where you're going to be using those mid-range apertures, but night photography is actually, um, it breaks the rules and you're going to be opening up to, you know, apertures of, you know, 18, 2.2, 2.8, because you need to let a little bit more light in. So that's sort of something else to kind of think about down, (laughs) down the road. But I mean, you can definitely use your kit lens and you can get started and, and have fun with it. Gina, what would you say is your favorite uh, time of day to shoot your landscapes? Uh, Definitely. um, It's going to be sunrise and it's going to be sunset. And I love, and I love blue hour and I love night photography. So those are kind of my favorite. However, on days where the skies are really dynamic and and maybe a little bit uh, cloudy, but textured, or the clouds are moving Mm -hmm. fast, I love shooting during the daytime too. So I love all things landscape photography. And, um, I, I will always find something like, for example, during the summertime here, I spent a significant amount of time in the mountains during the summer. This summer was smoky. It was, the skies were filled with smoke. We had a lot of forest fires around us. And so I couldn't shoot those really wide angles that I love. I went into the forest and most of my images from the summer are going to probably be a focal range around, you know, 50 through 200. I really focused on more intimate landscapes and, um, you know, capturing stuff within the forests because I couldn't do that wide angle. And so you're definitely not limited to only photographing wide angle scenes. You can you can find something beautiful upwards of, you know, those telephoto ranges too. Yeah. I was going to ask how you kind of switch it up or get creative with your landscapes. For the last several months, I've been shooting the sunrise at this particular spot in the country, but it's, uh, it's starting to get a little bit difficult now to kind of get a little bit more creative. And so I wonder how you, you know, switch gears and, maybe shoot some details or how you kind of uh, incorporate some different things into your portfolio other than the wider scenes. Yeah. So I think there's a whole bunch of ways to get creative and, you know, I'm super lucky. I have some gorgeous mountain scenes, but you know what? I go to those mountain scenes over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll hear, you know, people around me kind of say, Oh, I've already been there. This is so boring, but 
There's so many different ways that you can get creative. So like you had mentioned, you can start to focus in a little bit more intimately on landscape Mm -hmm. scenes. You can also just change your viewpoint. So instead of, you know, shooting up higher, we'll get down really, really low. There's techniques that you're going to need if you're shooting down low, like you're going to have to learn how to focus, um, bracket your images so that you can focus stack them. But I mean, maybe you're ready for that. Maybe you want to advance your skills and kind of learn that process. You can also shoot horizontal, but you can turn your camera and, and start shooting like a vertical, like a portrait orientation. You know, that's a different way to kind of get creative. You can just angle your camera downwards. You can, you know, angle your camera up, move around in your scene, try things with different compositions. It's, it's endless. Really, you can get as uh, creative as you want. There's, it's just kind of about thinking outside of the box and um, maybe being inspired by other photographers too. So, I mean, when you're scrolling on Instagram and you see a perspective that you like, you know, maybe, maybe save that and then try and recreate that in, in your own sort of way, in your own sort of style. So I think creativity can be endless. And there's, there's so many different ways to approach creative landscape photography. And, uh, that's, I I love challenging myself that way too, because I do often go to the same beautiful scenes, but I, I go to the same scene over and over again. So I really make an effort to kind of challenge myself to find a different composition or to try something new. Once I, once I get that, the shot that I know I like and fits within my style, I'll definitely experiment. And, and I think if you're looking for creativity, know that you can find that anywhere. You don't have to have gorgeous mountain scenes like I do. You know, you can go into a local, you know, forest and, and maybe work at photographing aspens, or maybe there's a tiny little Creek that you, you want to work on. Maybe you could work on some like long exposure photography with the, with the water and get that frothy sort of look, you know, maybe you're on your back deck and you're barbecuing dinner. Well, you you can turn your camera lens to the sky and, and uh, you could practice maybe long exposure photography with your brand new filter that you got and, and watch <laughs> how you can draw out the, 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 the clouds and the colors you could, you could try panning. Like I could go on and on, <laughs> on and on, you know, there's, there's also really creative ways uh, that you can do, you can do panning, you can do horizontal panning, which is just that simple movement of your, your camera. And so you kind of get a blend of intentional sort of movement. Yeah. I, I, there's tons, there's so many ways you can get creative. And I think too, like, it's not, it's not dissimilar. You know, I, I'd say if, if the people that are, if you're listening today and you've never really sort of ventured out into you know, landscape or, or nature and in terms of like a, a focal point in terms of photography, it's not, it's not all that different in terms of like the intentionality behind like even how we capture our children, because, you know, we're always trying to get different emotions from our children or, or different perspectives or viewpoints or details and things of that nature. I think sometimes, you know, I know for myself when I, when I walk out to, to take pictures of landscapes or the leaves or the flowers or the clouds or the water or whatever, I do sometimes feel that sort of like creative, like stuff, like, okay, well I took this shot, like what else is there to take? But I think your point is really, is 
really beautifully described. And it just sort of like triggered in my mind, like if I was with one of my children and I was trying to photograph them, I wouldn't just take one shot of them from one perspective. I would move all around and I would try to get, you know, all the different viewpoints I could. And I think the same works for, you know, for landscape as well. And the other piece too, to sort of like loop back to the beginning of our conversation, talking about learning manual, it's interesting because in my manual course, one of the things that I sort of recommend and say like is the beauty about going out into nature is that you have a very patient subject <laughs> mm-hmm, to work absolutely. with. And so if you are someone that is trying to figure out how to shoot on manual and trying to figure out how to adjust your settings in the appropriate ways, that not using human subjects for that can sometimes be a much better way to sort of get a, get a handle on it because you're not dealing with, you know, with children that have a very short attention span, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have a very sort of patient subject. And obviously in those sort of crucial moments of sunrise and sunset, like you have a, a finite amount of time to be able to, to capture in those, in those moments. But you know, before and after those points in time is a great way to sort of like practice and get out there and really sort of get your feet wet in taking over that creative control of your camera in a way that I sort of feel for me feels much less stressful than if I'm like trying to work with my children or other people's children's or clients or whatever the case might be. If I want to just really sort of connect back to myself and back to my art and back to my own creativity, chances are I'm not going to be using my kids <laughs> in those, in those photos. So that just was, I don't know, there was just a sort of like connection continuity piece for me that sort of came up when you, when you were speaking about that, because I think there is all different kinds of ways to be able to get creative. And I mean, if you're looking for inspiration, you should absolutely make sure. And well, we're going to link all of Gina's information in the show notes too, but you should absolutely make sure that you, you scroll through her, um, her Instagram. Cause it's just like so incredibly beautiful and inspiring. And again, I am so jealous of where you live. <laughs> I, it's like my, my life goal. One of my life, like photography life goals is to capture the Northern lights, the Aurora Borealis. And so oh, I just like drool over oh. all of your pictures and I'm like, Oh my gosh, maybe I don't have to go to Iceland. Maybe I'll just go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> next year, Mel, let's do that next year. Banff is on my list. It's uh-huh, been on my list too. for the longest time. And so to that end, I do want to chat a little bit about, um, so aside from just your personal work, you also have, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, educational opportunities, both online and in person. And so I wanted to have to give a couple of minutes to talk about that, because I know that you do have two in in line in person (laughs) uh, retreats happening this year in in 2022. I I don't know. They're probably already fully booked, but it'd be a good conversation to sort of let people know that, you know, if they're going to be happening again, if it's an annual thing or what those sort of look like. Yeah. So my passion for landscape photography has um, developed into, yeah, a business side of it. And I actually have um, several different offerings. I have two online workshops. And so when my, my, my one, um, online workshop is kind of for that photographer who wants to take better landscape photos, but isn't quite sure where to start. 
So they're using, you know, an automatic camera mode or maybe one of those semi-manual modes like shutter priority or aperture priority. And they want to take full control and uh, start taking those incredible images that I know that they can. And so that's kind of my beginner workshop. It's called manual mode for the landscape photographer. And then I have a second online workshop and it's called the art in landscape photography. Inside this workshop, I teach everything that I know about landscape photography. And it's a step-by-step system to help people be successful to create the types of landscape images that they want. And I talk about everything from gear and equipment through planning. I talk about basics. I talk about more advanced skills. I talk about creative uh, landscape photography, like long exposure and intentional camera movement and time lapse. I also talk about light because we all know that light is super important in, in photography, all types of photography. And I talk about composition and then I also teach post-processing of landscape images. So it's like a full encompassing workshop. And um, I'm super passionate about teaching women photographers. And I also offer, yeah, so I also offer some in, in-person opportunities. I host, if, if you're local, if you happen to stumble upon and you're local here, I do do evening events. And I'm hoping to actually put together a few more of those now that we're finally transitioning out of COVID. Um, I do uh, evening events out in the Canadian Rockies very often. They're just come and join us and and have a great ladies night together. And then I also offer multi-day in-person female-only landscape photography retreats out of um, Banff, Alberta in Canada here. And uh, those are a blast. We have so much fun, um, like belly aching laughter and tears rolling down our face fun. And uh, of course, it's all of the focus is, you know, sunrise through the stars. And all we do is um, immerse ourselves into the gorgeous um, scenery in the Canadian Rocky Mountains and photograph all things and learn a ton and have lots and lots of fun. So I have one coming up in September. Um, I do have a few spots available in that. And then I also have one in... considering coming. Ah. For me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'd love to have you. I do have some some space. I do have some room. Um, and then November. Uh, so November. Oh, November. September is gorgeous because we focus in on the larch, which they shed their needles. They turn uh, the larch tree turns yellow, and it is stunning for two weeks. And the fall mm. in the Canadian Rockies is spectacular. So that's kind of that September retreat is focused around those fall colors. And then November is more when um, the lakes and the water, they're not yet frozen. And so you still get that gorgeous reflection happening in a lot of places, but um, everything is like snow covered and wintry and it's not, hopefully, usually it's not too, too cold. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful season to capture landscape. And then a lot of people are gone, like, right. All of that summer traffic, it's a little bit quieter. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I love November as well for an opportunity to um, indulge in, in photography in the Rockies. 
Oh my gosh. Either one. I want to do both. You just said, are, I, are, are you looking like, at them right now? Cause I'm just like, mesmerized. of course I am. <laughs> That's why we're speechless. Cause we're which is so funny. All, Cause you're like, Meg's like, I'm going to come September. And I'm like, I would love to come in November. That would be so much fun. I feel like, oh, or maybe cold. One- I, you can't manage November, <laughs> but the rest of us can. <laughs> She's a baby. She wouldn't make it. That's okay. Come on. Oh, you, you'll toughen up quick. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, if if you are someone that is looking for an either an online or an in-person experience uh, into landscape photography, you, you cannot go wrong with any of these options that, that Gina offers for, you know, and I love that the focus is on women photographers. I just, that speaks, I know it speaks to my soul. I'm sure it speaks to Meg's too. Oh, yes. um, I love that. And I love that that's the type of environment that you would be walking into, into these in-person retreats as well. Cause I think that just sort of helps to know, like you're going to be surrounded by, by people that, that maybe view the world in a similar way or in a different way than you, but just sort of having that camaraderie as, as women creatives is I think super important. Um, so I love that that's sort of the focal point as well. It's been so wonderful to speak to you. I'm always inspired when I see your work, as I mentioned before, and also like when we get an opportunity to talk as well. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like maybe I will venture out into the frozen tundra that is my backyard right now. Oh, <laughs> you you inspired her a lot. Oh, I'm so glad. Go Mel. Go you know, Mel. honestly, winter like I I love winter. Like, you know, if you are scrolling in my in my feed, you'll definitely see that winter is beautiful, right? Like there's all these it little frozen icicles and frozen elements. And, you know, even like an Aspen forest is gorgeous in the winter, right? You can just kind of get yeah. a little bit of snow with those Aspen trees or, or yeah, I love it. I love all the seasons here and I'm okay with being cold. These... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed with these new pictures that you've put up that have the, like the ice bubbles or the water bubbles underneath. Um, like that's just so cool. Yeah. Cool. I was in like my happy place there. I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to set up a little tent and just live on the side of the, <laughs> that lake. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, it was, it's absolutely incredible. Like nature is so beautiful just produces the most unique, um, artwork really. Mm. And so, um, it's always such a privilege and I feel so grateful to be able to just immerse myself in nature and breathe in the calming fresh air. And it's my way of, you know, stress, de-stressing and relaxing and rejuvenating. And that's kind of one of the things that I love instilling in other women is photography gives you the opportunity to take care of yourself and to give yourself mm-hmm. something. We are so busy as moms, as business women, as people. And so photography gives us an opportunity to feed um, you know, our, our creative souls and gives us an opportunity to enhance our mental health, enhance our physical health. And uh, so I'm a big believer that photography is more than the just taking a pretty picture. It's also about taking care of ourselves and, um, and, and giving ourselves the energy and getting that energy from nature and uh, the beauty that's within nature. I love that. 
And I love that. I think that's a beautiful way to sort of wrap up our conversation today. And so I'm going to put a little challenge out there, challenge myself, challenge people that are listening to step outside sometime in the next week and find a way to creatively capture what is around you. And if you do that and you decide that you want to share it, tag Gina, tag Hello Storyteller, because I'd love to be able to take a look at those too. I am going to, I'm going to, I'm saying it now. I'm going to get out. I'm going to take my camera. I'm going to get outside and I'm going to figure something out. As I'm I mentioned before, ahead. I already got mine this morning. Oh, I can't okay. wait to see. Make sure I you tag me. I just sent it to you, Gina. I can't wait to see it. So for those of us that are behind Meg, <laughs> so time in the next week, go ahead and, and just step out there. And we're going to link all of Gina's information, her website, her Instagram. And the other piece too, is that you do have a free guide that you had mentioned to us as well. And so I just wanted to let have you sort of say where people can find that as well. Yeah. So I have a free guide that introduces you to landscape photography, and it offers a few tips on how you can start taking better landscape images right away. And you can find that directly on my website and uh, you said the link will be below, but it's really easy. It's www.ginayo. So G I N A yeo.com. And of course, if you find me on Instagram, there's a link there. And, um, you know, really quickly, I do have a hub and it's she creates with light. And, uh, there's also, you can access that free downloadable just by clicking the link, um, in the hub as well. Awesome. Well, Gina, thank you again so much for spending some time with us today. It's always fun and inspiring to speak with you and we'll be keeping our eyes on, on your, on your feed and seeing what else, what other beautiful images you create here coming up in the next couple of months. So thank you so much and everyone else. Thank you as well for listening and we'll be back uh, next week with another episode. Bye everybody. Bye. Friends. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye.